Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. It was a, just a long day of me, shirtless, on my knees, hands hogtied behind my back. Wow. Physically pretty demanding. And I just stayed on my knees all day and begged for my life. That was Richmond native Duke LaFoon talking about his role on the new Showtime series, Let the Right One In, where he's viciously devoured by a vampire. Duke had an active life as an actor on stage and screen in Richmond before moving to New York. Other things we'll talk about are his parts on The Watcher, Mindhunter, FBI Most Wanted, and playing the president in Clinton, the musical. Sifter, review of the week. Causeway on Apple TV+. Jennifer Lawrence plays a soldier back home to New Orleans after a devastating brain injury. In addition to working through the physical challenges of rehab, she also deals with emotional issues. When her truck breaks down, she ends up befriending the mechanic, played by Brian Tyree Henry, and their unusual relationship fills out the story. Lawrence is undeniably one of the best performers of her generation, and she doesn't disappoint here with her subtle portrayal. Henry, who continues to impress with every role, is up to her standard, providing quiet depth. Director Lila Nushbar has kept things simple, no grand emotions or big moments. As a result, this film is an understated yet tender character study about two damaged people and how they came together. I gave it three and a half out of five stars. Before I start the interview with Duke LaFoon, here's one more clip from a video he was in that I produced in the 90s. I'm glad we won. But this fighting stuff isn't what I thought it'd be. It's a lot of hard, scary work. You don't think this battle will end it? I used to, but now I, I doubt it. Now those union boys fought awful hard. I, I think they believe in what they're doing as much as we do. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> that was a little innocent little Duke LaFoon. Is that from like a Jamestown movie or a Williamsburg uh, movie? Good memory. Actually, close. It was Manassas. One of those historical sites anyway. One of those yeah, historical sites, yeah. yeah. That was one of, the, one of the many videos we did together back when you still lived in Richmond. That was the eyewitness to history, and you were a poor, poor Confederate soldier who'd been wounded. I remember it. Yeah, and we did a couple of things from the ABC board together, and remember well, that? I was going to tell you about that, Jerry. I don't know if I ever told you, I think a few years after that, you know, they showed that thing in the schools forever, right? Yeah, class action, yeah. And so a few years after I had made that thing, I was out, out at a bowling alley with some friends just bowling, and this guy came up to me, and he's like, oh my God, do I know you from someplace? And we went around and around, whatever, and he's like, oh, I know what it was from. And I was like, what? And he's like, the ABC board uh, film, um, I show it in schools. I was like, oh yeah, that's it. He said, great, let me see your ID. I'm with the Alcoholic Beverage Control Board. <laughs> And I had a pitcher of beer on the table, and I was like, "You jerk!" Really? You know, I was I was of age, but he was so excited. He thought he got the he got the kid from the video. <laughs> really, really. Obviously, you've been doing this for a long time. How did you first get into theater? I think it was you know school, but there was a friend in Mechanicsville where I grew up, and um, she had heard Virginia Museum Theater at the time was doing uh, the Scottish play, and they were looking for a kid. And so I was in ninth grade, I think, eighth grade, maybe. And she just called, you know, called my mom and said, would Duke be interested? And I was. And so I went and did this play at the museum, which was really exciting. Footnote. VMT was the resident company at what is now VMFA. And for those who don't know, the Scottish play is Macbeth. Some folks are superstitious about saying the name, especially in a theater. 
So you hadn't been like doing high school plays or putting on stuff in your backyard? Christmas pageant or something, but no, I hadn't really done anything. You know, maybe a musical at my junior high, but I, I can't remember what came first. But yeah, that was my first paycheck I ever got for doing it. You went on, you did a lot of work all over town for a number of years. Yeah, a long, a long yeah, felt like a long, long time. We moved to New York in 2000. Right after 9-11. Oh, what a perfect time to decide to come to New York, right? It was. You know, September and then October 20th, I was here doing a play at the Westchester Broadway, which is a theater up just north of the city that employed a lot of theater actors. I I convinced my girl to move up with me. That that would be Janet. Yeah, my wife, Janet. Now, you said the play you went up there for first. Was that the musical version of It's a Wonderful Life? It was. You started that here. Yeah, I did it there at, at then uh, Theater Virginia, Bill Westbrooks, who uh, teaches at NYU. And so he came down to be a guest director and and it was a big hit and we just had a great time. And then this theater up in New York contacted him and said, we'd like to produce it too. And so he called me and said, do you want to come do it with me? And I was, yeah, right. that was a great way to transition to New York was having him bring me up, you know, and so I got an agent. And so I, I got representation that way. So it all kind of organically happened that I would move here. Of course, this podcast, we mainly fo- focus on film and TV. And you actually got your first gig still in Richmond, right? Was that Ironclads or Sally Hemings? It was Ironclads. It's so interesting. Ironclads was my first, you know, aside from you, I think, my first uh, time on film. Footnote. Ironclads was a movie about the naval battle between the Monitor and the Merrimack. It was shot in Richmond in 1991. <laughs> I got hired on to that show in the swing gang in the set decorating department. Oh, really? Yeah, I was a grunt. I was moving whiskey barrels and, you know, that big (laughs) big rope that they, you know, tie ships down. And so I was doing that all summer and just really, you know, at the bottom of the totem pole. But I had also auditioned for the movie and had gotten a day player as Seaman Yates. And so it was fascinating to me. I really learned the hierarchy of a film production Uh at that time because I was I was at the bottom of the totem pole. And then one day I showed up and I was fancy. I had lines in the thing. And so suddenly (laughs) for a minute, I was Mr. LaFoon. Come this way. Can we get you anything, Mr. LaFoon, blah, blah, blah. And so I had that for one day. And then the next day I went back and I was at the bottom of the totem pole again. (laughs) Surprise guest drop in. Before we move to New York and start talking about your movie career, somebody wants to talk a little bit more about your theater career. <laughs> I know that laugh. Aha. Uh-huh. Tom Wedd. Hi, Tom. Oh, by the laugh alone? I did, yeah. It just, <laughs> I can name that laugh in two notes. Really? He did. That's, That's all great. I did was ha ha. That's all I needed. <laughs> Hi, Tom. How are you, buddy? Footnote. Tom Witt has been directing shows at Swift Creek Mill Theater since the 70s, and he's now artistic director. I'm good. I love you. I miss you. I miss you, too. I haven't seen you since my birthday almost a year ago. I know it. So, Tom, what is your first impression? What was the first time you met Duke? Do you remember? Probably at an audition. I remember. Uh, yeah. His uh, big premiere at the mill was Pippin. Nope. Um, no. No? No, sir. What was first? So, I had been cast to do Fiddler on the Roof by Buddy Callahan. You're right. And, and then, then he Buddy got sick. got sick right before we started rehearsal, and they called Tom in to direct it to be the guest director. And so he met his cast for the first time. He he was just given a cast. Uh huh. Right. I said, "Hi, I'm your Perchick," and he said, "Yeah, okay, you're Jewish." <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that now. Yeah. Yeah, but Buddy had his heart attack or whatever it was. He and, had a uh, heart attack. That's right. I never yeah. got to work with Buddy. Footnote: Buddy Callahan was a co-founder of Swift Creek Mill Theater. So what do you remember about Pippin? I, obviously, I reviewed Pippin. That was a long time ago. I it mean, was 1989. 
Wow. I did some homework last night on dates and things and uh, trial by fire with a wonderful cast. Dawn Westbrook, Larry Cook, Robin O'Neill, Robin Arthur, John Hagedorn. Wow. Yes. And Andre Garner was brand new to it back then, too, the leading player guy. But Duke was the title character and, you know, rose to the occasion immediately. Still a teenager, so ingenuous and wonderful on stage. Oh. And I'll tell the... I still to oh, this day. Oh, here we go. Uh, well, Come you on. know what I'm going to say, don't you? <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea, but I'm, I'm, I'm oh, sure. It's no, it's just we, we teased Duke mercilessly about oh, his, finding his light. Finding his light. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, his opening big number, Corner of the Sky, which he did so beautifully. But um, he's going back and forth across the stage into different specials. And he would get so close to being in his light. And then just miss it. And we would laugh. We still tease him to this day about that. Of course, I'm He's... with Don Westbrook and Larry Cook, who are like moths. Exactly right. I thought of that later. I, I, I did the thing with David Fincher. Footnote. David Fincher is the director of Mindhunter and is notorious for shooting dozens of takes. He was very nice to me, but the only note he ever had for me in that whole shoot was, LaFoon, I'm going to nail your feet to the floor. Because <laughs> oh. there was a spot I wasn't hitting. It's really hard to be half in the light and half out. <laughs> no, um, it's not. I'll no, teach you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you found your light ever since, as far as I can tell. And oh Duke God. went on with us for, let's see, I wrote my little list here, just a few in the 90s. Most Happy Fella, mm -hmm. Children of Eden, Damn Yankees, Shenandoah, Good Man Charlie Brown, Pump Boys and Dinettes, all in leading roles. But I'll tell you one of my favorites. Duke was the original Cowboy Jim in the Drifty shows. Yeehaw! Footnote. Drifty the Snowman is the original children's holiday musical that Swift Creek Mill has been producing since 1989. The North Pole was in trouble. All the reindeer had gotten loose and Christmas Eve was in peril. Santa called his friend Cowboy Jim to come to the North Pole and have a reindeer roundup. Duke got to sing what is still one of my favorite songs. The lullaby. Couldn't lasso all the reindeer and get them down. So he decided to sing them a lullaby. Yeah. And they all fell asleep in the sky and fell into snow drifts. And Christmas is saved in this beautiful song, Hush Little Reindeer. Hush Little Reindeer, close your eyes. I That's the one. Lullabies. And uh, yep. Duke did it. I don't know how many years Duke did Cowboy Jim. There's only been three Cowboy Jims in the history of the Drifty Show. But Duke was the first for, I think... Seven, eight years or something? When I did Christmas Story at Virginia Rep recently, one of the one of the actors in the show came up to me and said, oh, I've, I've seen you since <laughs> I was six years old. <laughs> it's a great feeling, though, isn't it? It really was, yeah. She yeah. said, you were, you were my Christmas, and that I, I, it yep. was a great compliment. I loved it. Wow. I played it for about 10 years after Duke left. I could go into the grocery store and be picking out some cheese, and a mother and her child are standing there, and the mother will say, look who it is. And I know immediately what's up. So I just turn to the kid and say, yeah, <laughs> you know, their jaws drop open, their eyes. But it's so heartwarming to be part of all that. But Duke was the first. And I'll oh, tell boy. you one of the things I had to get over right away. Shortly after Duke started playing Cowboy Jim, a teacher from one of the schools one day said to me, that cowboy, he can wear some jeans. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. And I have no butt at all. So we went from beautiful butt cowboy Jim to flat butt cowboy Jim. But you have um, a fine butt, Tom Witt. <laughs> all right. All right. This conversation's going sideways. <laughs> <laughs> 
the biggest thing about Duke over all these years has been his ease to work with, his normal, natural attraction to the stage. And it was just wonderful for all through the 90s. We spent a lot of time with Duke here at the mill. Yeah. And uh, remembered also fondly. My favorite time of my life. And I met my wife there, too. You did? That's right. Yeah. 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 And Pippin. Oh, wow. Yeah, of course. She was one of those painted up dancing girls. Yep. That was the showmance that that got us together. Showman, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tom, I appreciate you coming on and sharing some of these memories. I'm sure it blew Duke's mind it a little bit. It does blow my mind, Tom. I, you've made my day. I love this so much. Good, me too. I love Take you. Take care. I, 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 I'm going to come visit soon. Kiss Janet for me. I will. Kiss Paul. Thank okay. you, Tom. Bye. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye. Well, that was neat. Well, good. I'm glad you were surprised by it. It looks like you were genuinely touched by Mr. Witt's appearance. I am. I love Tom so much. I mean, he, you know, he's, you know, my mentor. I mean, I, I met him when I was just starting and he's taught me so much. I've had a few teachers through the years. You've been one. Tom was one. And it's just really um, means a lot that he would come on. By the way, t- uh, Tom, you can sign off if you want to now. You don't have to stay on. I'm uh, trying to find which button to push. <laughs> I'm just going to push this button right here. Let's move on to New York now and leave Richmond behind. What was the first screen role you got in New York? Oh, boy. Um, you know, I didn't for a long time. I, I just kind of came and that was one thing I kind of discovered. You know, you seem to be allowed to bounce around a little bit when you're in a smaller market. But when I got here, it felt like you were a theater actor. You were this kind of actor, whatever. So uh, I got an agent and my agent was very strong in theater. And so that's kind of just where I where I stayed for a long time. So I'm trying to think. I cannot remember the first time. I think it was probably... Uh, you know, a, a day player and may, maybe like forever or, you know, just some network show. Probably the show that you got best known for in New York would be the Clinton piece. Um, yeah. Yeah. Clinton, the musical. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I've had I've played a couple of bills since really? I've been up here. Very early, I did a a, a nymph a New York musical theater festival show called Monica, the musical. So right. I was doing an off Broadway thing and somebody called me and said, hey, do you have a Bill Clinton? And so I went in and just kind of gave him my best arkansas accent but anyway i did that wait a minute let's hear it no i I don't know i don't know it's that it's that (laughs) it's that vocal fry kind of i don't know you know what i I can't do it but i'm a horrible impressionist but anyway that that seemed to fit so i did that for a bit and so later i saw probably 10 years later this this musical came up footnote clinton the musical was a satire about the former president that ran off broadway in 2015 And I uh, did the theater festival production of that, and it went very well, which made them decide to take it off-Broadway. What's interesting about that is that they did not hire me to do the off-Broadway. In fact, I didn't know about the show at all. And then I got a call on a Sunday night saying, hi, this is the producers of this, you know, Clinton the Musical. We lost an actor last night. Could you come to rehearsal tomorrow? And I said, okay. So it turns out they had actually, um, I believe it was Daryl Hammond had agreed to do it from Saturday Night Live. Right. And I think he got cold feet. I don't know if the singing scared him off or whatever, but they called me. And and so that kind of uh, reading that I did through that reading, I was able to do the off-Broadway. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know you did get to do some commercials, too, like according to your bio, American Express, Heineken, Kettle Chips, Time Warner. What's good and bad about doing commercials? Uh, it's all good as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> the money's great, right? Yeah, I, I'd do it all day long. Uh, I'd make a career out of doing commercials if I could. It's yeah, great yeah. fun. Let's talk about some of the movies. You mentioned already David Fincher, who, of course, did Mindhunter. I was actually sitting in Venice one night, couldn't get to sleep, and I was watching that series, and you popped up. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. How was that experience? He's notoriously famous for his multiple, multiple, multiple takes. Did you get to do that? He does a bunch of takes. In fact, Jonathan Groff and, and Holt McCallany, who were the two stars in that, would take uh, bets 
before a setup, you know, how many do you think it's going to go? And they would actually have a little wager on it. You know, for somebody who doesn't get to do it every day, take after take, I loved it. I was so happy. You know, I think his theory is that he doesn't feel like that couch in that living room is yours until like take 18 or something. So that was great for me. And he was so, you know, very actor friendly. Not a lot of direction, which surprised me. You know, you expect to, I don't know. I, I found that to be true. It's like these guys who are really accomplished. They just kind of let you do your thing. And I guess if, you know, if I was making a misstep, he'd tell me. Right, but, right, you know, right. They flew me up there a couple of weeks before and I met with him in his office. And so they, you know, they really treated me like part of the cast. And there's a real pace to his set. And I understand why, because there's no room to goof off because he's got to get those takes in. So do you remember the most you had to do? For any one shot? Uh, I, I don't. I, I didn't count them. My concentration was on, you know, such right. other things. But yeah, I'd probably 30. It says you were a guest star on FBI Most Wanted. Were you a criminal? I was not. I was I was a Darn it. I know. You're too nice a guy. You don't look like a criminal type, well, which would see, be perfect for you. That's what I think is the fun thing. I think I'd make a great serial killer. Or there you go. In fact, I told you already, you know, I had a little tiny blink and you'll miss it spot on the watcher. And I keep telling my friends to start an online rumor that I'm the guy. Because so for next <laughs> season, maybe they'll call me and make me the guy because I'm so unassuming. Footnote. The watcher is a current hit on Netflix. Their son had been kidnapped, and so that was the whole episode. And then we get reunited with him eight years later, and he's a grown teenager at that point. So, yeah, that was exciting. Uh, I haven't so- gotten to do, you know, every actor in town, if you look at the resume, May, they all have the, you know, law and orders and the blah, blah, blah. And of so course. this was my first one of those kind of shows. So I was really excited to get it. Have you done Law and Order? No, I haven't. Oh, well, that's still on your list then. Uh, as well, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm here and available. <laughs> what about The Watcher? Was that just a one-day thing? You just went in and stood in the driveway? A completely one-day thing, yeah. It was a glorified extra. I mean, I, I, th- I had a couple of, hey, you know, stop, don't leave him alone or something like that. But yeah, it's just one day. And I think the highlight of that day was uh, I got to meet Mia Farrow, which is... Um, you know, she's she's Hollywood royalty, so yeah, that's yeah. cool. And she's bonkers in this show. Isn't I she? know she. <laughs> <laughs> she just went over the top. Now, the one that you're currently in, well, The Watcher, of course, is still a big hit and people are watching it. But the other one on Showtime, Let the Right One In, which was yeah. first a Swedish vampire movie, and then they made an American version. And now this is a TV series of that it was a strange audition. You know, that's one where, you know, things after the pandemic have moved into all you know, self-tapes, you know, everything's right. self-tape. And so I had sent them in a tape for a recurring role, which I couldn't quite understand because the whole thing was the guy gets eaten by a vampire. So how can, <laughs> how can he come back? But it was a, just a long day of me shirtless on my knees, hands hogtied behind my back. Wow. Physically pretty demanding. And I just stayed on my knees all day and begged for my life. And then about, you know, which that's hard to maintain, right? Really? Yeah. And so I'm just had to stay in this place of panic the whole day. And then probably the last two hours of the day was when they introduced the corn syrup, because you know, uh, once, yeah. once that came on set, it was going to just be a mess after that. And so we, we spent a couple of hours just me soaked in corn syrup. Footnote. Corn syrup with red coloring is often used for blood and makeup effects. You know, after the shoot, I'm like, can I shower now? And sorry, there's no shower in this. Really? Like, and I literally had to toe, Jerry. I was like, I can't get in my car and drive home this, you know, 
Of course. Unfortunately, yeah. they found that somebody found, and I think in hair and makeup, they realized there was a shower up there. But I, I was super hyped about that because I went up and I finally got to rinse off all this corn syrup. And I came downstairs and the whole soundstage had pretty much emptied. Everybody went home. Right. But the director hung around just waiting for me to, you know, to thank me for, for really? the work. And then sent me a bottle of wine a couple of days later. So I was really proud of the relationship that, I don't know, whatever I did, he he connected with it. And so he was very nice to me. How was the wine? Or have you opened it yet? Um, I, <laughs> I was down in Florida doing a play, and I think Janet had a social event. And so I think that wine went to something she was up to. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so go. I missed the wine, but she's more of a wine drinker. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to find another bottle of it. When we were talking the other day, you mentioned you had to go back and do ADR for that. Footnote. ADR stands for Automatic Dialogue Replacement, also known as looping, when an actor reads lines in a recording studio to match their voice and actions on screen. I can't imagine if you're having to do all that crying for your life, you were doing that ADR. Was it just a uh, uh, kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, I think they just wanted a few more sounds. So yeah, I'd, I had to get in that state again. But once you stand there and they play it back to you and you see what you did, it's kind of you know, it's really easy to fall back into it once you hear it. So yeah, I think they just threw out, you know, make a grunt here. I can't even remember why they wanted to do it. But you know, I found that on most everything I've ever done that they want to bring you back in to just get some kind of sound. When I did that Mindhunter, soon after I was down in Richmond doing a play at Virginia Rep, and they had me go down to In Your Ear and do some looping for that show. I zoomed with uh, David Fincher on that. And um, I think I was doing some lines for that one. So there are these two things that are listed in your IMDb as coming up, Tapawenga and Traders, or is that one thing? So Traders... It is two things. Yeah. So Traders is a, a low budget independent that I made. I am a villain in that. And you can see a little bit of my reel. This young lady moves in to an apartment that we share a wall and she hears the most horrendous things coming from my apartment. And it's a kind of a mystery for her to sew together. So yeah, that's my first kind of villainy kind of thing. Is that broadcast somewhere? No, no. I, I don't know what's going on with that or where okay. it is or, you know, post something. It still will be coming out at some point. Yeah. Oh, great. great. And, the, and then Tapa Wingo, that was just, a, again, a day. You know, they were shooting down in Richmond and I'll, I'll always, uh, you know, be happily to drive down there. You know, all my friends and family are there and to be able to come visit and work is a bonus. Sure. So I came down for that. We shot in Hopewell. When was that? Maybe summer before last. Oh, okay. It's been a while. Yeah. And that's yeah. not come out yet. That hasn't come out yet. And so, I just play a school teacher on that. I just have a, you know, a short little thing with John Heater, right. Napoleon Dynamite, which is, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a big fan of his. So that was super cool. There you go. I know you said in Richmond, you got recognized as the cowboy. What about in New York? Has anybody seen you from any of these TV shows or movies and said, oh, wait a minute, didn't I see you in something? I think, yeah, the, the Mindhunter mostly, which is really fun. And it's also, that's a fun thing too, because I'm, I'm finding that any filmmaker that's under 30 or that, that David Fincher is their guy. Oh, yeah. I, I'm finding a lot of film directors yeah. who they're like, so, you know, oftentimes that's been a real nice icebreaker. People just want to talk about David Fincher. So do you prefer theater or movies or TV or? I love theater. I love it. You know, theater is, you know, you're driving the car when you're when you're an actor in the theater, which is so great. And so I did this play this spring and I had a blast. But where was that? It was a two-hander. It's called uh, Maytag Virgin. It was just this great romantic comedy by this uh, Audrey Cephaly as the playwright. But it's just this 
beautifully written uh, romantic comedy about these two school teachers who meet when their backyards, they move in next door to one another and they kind of bicker, you know, they Sam and Diana until they fall in love. Where'd you do that? So I did that down at Florida Rep. Bless their heart. They got slammed with this hurricane right after I left. They were devastated. So I'm sending love to them. I'm, I'm hoping they're digging out of that. But anyway, to answer your question, lately, I've just really, I think Janet and I have gotten a little tired of me being away for big long contracts right right and so i'm really trying to for the first time really push on the tv and film stuff and just see because i I never really have before i've always you know just done an odd job here and there when i can get it but I'd, i'd like to do a lot more of it if i can and the beard, when did that show up on your face? So I, I actually, I did a film last year called Martyr of a Forgotten Dream. Again, that hasn't come out. I was a sheriff in that and I grew it. And I don't know, I got a, a, a nice response from different people. It's funny, Jerry, actors, we have such little control over things. You know, we're, we're just especially kind of on for, camera. Yeah. Yeah. We're just kind of for hire and, you know, we can, you know, mess around with our resume or we can take new pictures or whatever. But there's, you know, there's little we can do to shake up that you know, shake that tree. And, right, right. And so I don't know, I, I grew the beard and, and I got some cool response. And so just recently, I played a mayor in a little thing that I had the beard for. So now I'm just like, well, let me keep it. Let me see. Let me see. You Maybe. can always shave it. I mean, you can always shave it. I mean, it's hard because when you're auditioning for people, I don't know that they always have the they want sometimes they just want to see exactly what they're looking right, for. They right. always don't have the imagination to go, hmm, wonder yeah. He's our guy without the beard. So that's, it's a little gamble. But, you know, I have a few friends when, you know, they just kind of went and got a look that suddenly that was their niche, you know, they yeah, got a, yeah. a tattoo or something. And it's just right, like, oh, right. now we know who you are. Yeah. Well, if you get tattoos all over your face, you definitely got certain roles only you're going to get. Well, out. yeah. And that's a thing too. I swear. <laughs> I've, I've been, I remember working with the serial killer and that mine hunter and he had tattoos, but he didn't own the tattoos. You know about this? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, apparently, you know, I think it happened after the movie The Hangover with Mike mm-hmm. Tyson or something about his face oh, tattoo. Right, 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 yeah. But apparently, you know, it's a thing now where if you don't have firm paperwork that says right. that you have the rights to this art that's on your body, they have to cover it up, even if they want you to have tattoos. So right. that serial killer that I work with, they covered all his tattoos and then added but tattoos. fake ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of art and stuff like that, what are you watching when you get a chance to sit down and watch TV or movies or whatever? I'm, a, I'm looking for anything positive. A lot of people. Get, Ted Lasso get, is. Ted Lasso kind of... was great. Of course, West Wing is one of my all-time favorites. Okay. Anytime where people are trying to be decent, trying to be loving, I get a little worn out. For instance, The Sopranos, um, I think it's brilliant. But after a while, when people just behave badly for long enough, I just kind of get bored with it. I, I don't right, want to spend right. time with those people. So I kind of gravitate towards the shows that are positive. I mean, listen, The Great British Bake Off has been, no. <laughs> it's been a go-to for a while. Yeah. Um, the boys we watched, which I'm a, that's pretty uh, wacky, yeah, pretty wacky, and I, you know, but it's the superhero genre, which so I can accept a bit more bad behavior in that because right, it doesn't, right. you know, it doesn't feel grounded in reality. I always had fun working with you back in the '90s when you were in Richmond. Oh man, I loved it too, Jerry. And it's always great to see you, and I appreciate you taking the time to do the show today. Hey, thank you so much. This was really exciting, and thank you for getting Tom on. That was Richmonder Duke LaFoon talking about some of the TV shows, movies, and theatrical productions he's been in since moving to New York. There's a link to his website on the page for this show at tvjerry.com. Speaking of, you can also subscribe at tvjerry.com. By the way, his vicious murder is at the end of the second episode of Let the Right One In, and I'll have my review of the show up tomorrow. 
Coming soon. In theaters. The Menu. A group of fancy people eat a gourmet meal with death for dessert, and Ray Fiennes is the chef. She said, Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan play New York Times reporters whose reporting helped launch the Me Too movement. Guillermo de Toro's stop-motion version of Pinocchio plays theaters before launching on Netflix. Bardo, false chronicle of a handful of truths, is the latest dizzying epic from Alejandro Inarritu. The Chosen Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2. This is the latest continuation in the series about the life of Jesus. TV and streaming. Spirited on Apple TV+, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds star in this revised musical version of The Christmas Carol. The Wonder on Netflix, Florence Pugh plays a British nurse who finds an 11-year-old girl who can go for months without food. Disenchanted on Disney, Amy Adams was the fairy tale princess in Enchanted, and this takes place after she settled down with husband Patrick Dempsey. Slumberland on Netflix, Jason Momoa helps a young girl navigate her dream world. The People We Hate at the Wedding on Amazon, Kristen Bell and Ben Platt play siblings with Alice and Janie as the mom in this comedy revolving around nuptials. A Christmas Story Christmas on HBO Max, Peter Billingsley returns as an adult to the home of the original hit. 1899 on Netflix, immigrants on a steamship discover a second vessel adrift. Next week, we'll meet another Richmonder who's designing sets for a number of HBO hits and more. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.